Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey. Welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. And a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come To Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you on this beautiful May 14th, 2020, and praying you are having a blessed, happy, and holy day and enjoying another lovely, lovely May day out there today. I hope you're getting outside and getting some fresh air and and enjoying the lovely day the Lord has blessed us with. Of course, Thursday already. Mm, mm, mm. Where does the time go? May 14th, 2020. Halfway through the month of May already. Uh, today, of course, Thursday, Catechism Day. I want to pick up where we left off last week in our catechism uh, about um, Christ's glorified body, our glorified body, one day. And uh, we'll get to that. Uh, also, I, I was going to do it yesterday, but didn't have enough time. Of course, yesterday was the feast of Our Lady of Fatima, and I shared with you the story of uh, St. Pope John Paul II's uh, assassination attempt, and then the following year when he went to Fatima to place the bullet in the crown of our Blessed Mother. I want to share with you some of his homily from that day, which was 1982. So what is that, 38 years ago? And you'd almost swear it was written today, so... I can't do the whole thing. It was a lengthy homily, but I'll I'll do some of that with you as well. We are going to pray, and uh, my brothers and sisters today, we're going to pray for all of your special intentions, as we do every day. And we're praying the prayer that Holy Father Pope Francis composed uh, for this month specifically, and this time specifically, asking all people of goodwill and faith to pray this prayer at the conclusion of our rosaries each day uh, during this beautiful month of May. Um, also inviting you to raise up your special intentions, whatever they are. And I want to bring you up to date with Bruce. I got an email from uh, Linda, you know, our dear friend Bruce Tobacco, who hosts Come to the Throne every first and third Monday here. As I shared with you yesterday, uh, Bruce is in the hospital. Uh, he was doing some gardening a few days ago and uh, cut himself and got a uh, an infection that was... Um, going up his hand and into his arm. They gave him IV antibiotics. Uh, I got an email just a few moments ago from Linda, and she said, Bruce's wound is healing nicely and the swelling and redness are gone. However, the doctors are not able to identify one strange bacteria from the cultures they took. And if they can't identify it, they won't know if they're giving him the correct antibiotics and the infection will return they suspect it could be a bacteria that can only be killed by one uh, specific antibiotic, and it's the one Bruce isn't able to take. So Linda said, I think we need a miracle. So my brothers and sisters, 
every first and third Monday. You know, Bruce comes on the air and prays for all of you and all of your intentions and prays for those miracles. We're going to do the same for Bruce today during our prayer time. Okay, so let's uh, raise up our hearts and minds together as the mystical body of Christ coming together for our brother Bruce uh, for his situation. Of course, he's in the hospital. Uh, not a place you really want to be these days, I guess. Uh, never really want to be there, but especially now with all the the coronavirus. Um, but um, So let's, in our prayer, remember Bruce DeBacco praying for a miracle. We're also praying for a miracle for our dear friend Maria, uh, for her uh, uh, st- uh, tumor on her brain stem. And all of your intentions, my brothers and sisters, whatever they are, we raise up today, and we go to in a special way to Our Lady of Fatima. You know, we, this is the month of Our Blessed Mother. Of course, yesterday we celebrated the great feast uh, of Our Lady of Fatima, and we'll go to Our Blessed Mother under that title for these miracles. And so, let's begin, my dear friends, as we begin all good things. That is in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick, who, at the foot of the cross, were united with Jesus' suffering and persevered in your faith. You know our needs, and we know that you will provide, so that at, as, at, sorry, as at Cana in Galilee, joy and celebration may return after this time of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the will of the Father, and to do what Jesus tells us, for he took upon himself our suffering and burdened himself with our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. And we also pray the prayers that Holy Father asks us to pray to St. Michael the Archangel and also to our Blessed Mother, the ancient prayer, the Subtum Presidium prayer. We fly to your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers. O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. And today, Saint Matthias, pray for us. Feast Day of the Apostle. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And so I'll invite you, my brothers and sisters, to uh, continue to pray for Bruce. Now, that means we're not sure um, if Bruce will be here Monday for his program Uh, But certainly the more important thing right now is that we pray for Bruce and that uh, in his situation in the hospital, as I said, the infection, the original infection, uh, the swelling's gone down, the redness has gone down, but they can't identify the one bacteria in the culture, and uh, they're trying to find the antibiotic that will uh, kill that bacteria. So um, very, very strange times, aren't they? Uh, All these little teeny tiny hidden enemies that we have in our world today, are wreaking such havoc uh, on the worldwide level, local level, and even as we pray for our friend Bruce and um, 
just pray for a miracle, as Linda asked. And, you know, with God, all things are possible. I did hear something early today um, that I was not aware of. Um, early today, Father Jason was here with the Coach McKenna recording some programs uh, for future dates. And um, the uh, Father Jason mentioned that, I guess, in the as New Jersey prepares to go back into, you know, gradually unlocking the state, that the governor, Governor Murphy, has created various commissions to focus on different aspects um, of life that need to be, you know, returned to to, uh, activity. One of them was um, Social and Faith Commission, and Father Jason said that on this commission that is studying how to, again, to allow worship and, and, and faith-based activities to begin again in the state, that he, he chose particular members to be on this commission, but he didn't choose one Catholic. Um, and Father Jason makes the point of, because we're well aware of it, we know that the, the population of New Jersey, 40% is Catholic. And on this commission... Uh, that will reintroduce uh, public worship and and uh, other faith-based activities back into uh, normal activity. Returning from this uh, lockdown, Governor Murphy, who calls himself a Catholic, um, did not put one Catholic on that commission. Something is wrong with this person. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Got to pray for him. Uh you know, he, he considers himself a Catholic, but there's nothing he's done in his role as governor that has indicated in any way any type of, of uh, uh, Catholicism. You know, I mean, to, to keep the doors of the abortion clinics open during this pandemic now with this faith-based commission to uh, assign various uh, individuals of different faith backgrounds and traditions, not having one single Catholic on this commission. Um People want to go back to church. You know, people want to go back to mass. They're opening up everything else, everything else, um, initially. And, you know, we need to get back to church. And, and for some, whatever reason, whatever his mindset is, whatever he's thinking. And I've heard people say there, he's done a good job. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like to get political, but my goodness. Uh, you know, if one of the first things he did was establish that abortion clinics are a an essential service, uh, that should tell you right away um, where his his mind is and his heart, especially where his heart is. So we got to pray for that man, um, and uh, we will, we will. So let's do this. Uh, as I said, I um, was going to do some of this yesterday, but didn't have enough time. Back in. Um, May, May uh, 13th of 1982, which was exactly one year following the assassination attempt, uh, John Paul II went to Fatima to thank our Blessed Mother for sparing his life a year prior to that. And he placed the bullet that they took out of his body into the crown of the statue of Our Lady of Fatima there at uh, Fatima. Um, and he gave, there was a mass and, um, gave a homily. 
But a couple of things struck me as I was reading through the homily earlier today, where one of the sections, he talked about people going astray. Now, this is 1982, okay? These are the words of John Paul II in this homily from 1982. He said, today, John Paul II, successor of Peter, continuer of the work of Pius John and Paul, and particular heir of the Second Vatican Council, presents himself before the mother of the Son of God in her shrine at Fatima. And John Paul said, in what way does he come? He presents himself, reading again, with trepidation and motherly call to penance, to conversion, the ardent appeal of the heart of Mary that resounded at Fatima 65 years ago. Yes, he reads it again with trepidation in his heart because he sees how many people and societies, how many Christians have gone in the opposite direction to the one indicated in the message of Fatima. Sin has thus made itself firmly at home in the world, and a denial of God has become widespread in the ideologies, ideas, and plans of human beings. 1982. Now, most of you, if you're like me, you remember living through 1982. But Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II, in this, and I think, um, let me just make sure this was his homily. Um, this is the, cons- the consecration. The consecration of the world uh, to uh, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That's what this is from. And this is one of the, the um, things that some of the uh, conspiracy theorists said, well, he didn't really fulfill Our Lady's request at Fatima by consecrating Russia to the Immaculate Heart. He consecrated the entire world, uh, of which Russia was a part. But in this particular section of the consecration, St. Pope John Paul II said, he reads this again with trepidation in his heart because he sees how many people and societies, and then he specifically said how many Christians have gone in the opposite direction to the one indicated in the message of Fatima. Sin has thus made itself firmly at home in the world, and denial of God has become widespread in the ideologies, ideas, and plans of human beings. Look at what we're doing right now, 38 years later. Everything seems to be opening up. Now, right? I mean, I don't know about New Jersey, Pennsylvania, which are the the two, and, and New York. Even I think even New York is opening up more than New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And the odd thing is, in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, the majority of all of these very unfortunate and tragic deaths that they say are due to the coronavirus, the majority of them, seventy percent in Pennsylvania, are due were, were in actually in nursing homes. So they all the the numbers are skewed and the but and so now they're they're starting to open up certain aspects and parts of life again. I think the governor today said Memorial Day the beaches will be open with restrictions. But what about the churches? What about God? I mean, my goodness, 
You don't hear any talk of that. And, and the commission that he put together in this state, the governor of New Jersey, put together a commission that has members on it of, of various uh, faith traditions, which he should have done, but did not include one Catholic. But Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II said in 1982, sin has thus made itself firmly at home in the world. And denial of God has become widespread in ideologies, ideas, and plans of human beings. 1982, 38 years ago. St. Pope John Paul II also said, but for this very reason, the evangelical call to repentance and conversion uttered in the mother's message remains ever relevant. It's still more relevant than it was 65 years ago. And we could say probably today, 103 years ago, even more relevant. Pope John Paul II said it is still more urgent. And so it is to be the subject of next year's Synod of Bishops, because he's talking about the Synod that took place in 1983, which we were already preparing for. The successor of Peter presents himself here also as a witness to the immensity of human suffering, to a witness, I'm sorry, a witness to the most apocalyptic menaces looking over the nations and mankind as a whole. And these are the words of John Paul. He is trying to embrace these sufferings with his own weak human heart as he places himself before the mystery of the heart of the mother, the immaculate heart of Mary. In the name of these sufferings and with awareness of the evil that is spreading throughout the world and menacing the individual human being, the nations, and mankind as a whole, Peter's successor presents himself here with greater faith in the redemption of the world, in the saving love that is always stronger, always more powerful than any evil. St. John Paul said, My heart is oppressed when I see the sin of the world and the whole rage of menaces gathering like a dark cloud overing mankind. But it also rejoices with hope as I once more do what has been done by my predecessors when they consecrated the world to the heart of the mother, when they consecrated especially to the heart those peoples which particularly need to be consecrated. Doing this means consecrating the world to him who is infinite holiness. This holiness means redemption. It means a love more powerful than evil. No sin of the world can ever overcome this love. Once more this act is being done, Mary's appeal is not for just once. Her appeal must be taken up by generation after generation in accordance with the ever-new signs of the times. It must be unceasingly returned to. It must, be, it must ever be taken up anew. And I don't know if you know, I probably should have mentioned this at the beginning of the program, that Holy Father Pope Francis asked us today... May 14th, for prayer and fasting and penance to go to Our Lady of Fatima in prayer and fasting and penance, especially as it regards uh, to um, 
defeat this uh, coronavirus, this pandemic. So 38 years later, the current successor of St. Peter doing exactly what John Paul said to do, that this must ever be taken up anew. It's not just a one-time event back in 1982. But we have to reconsecrate our bishops, the successors to the apostles, a couple of weeks ago here in the U.S. and Canada did just that. Because we can't be blind to the darkness that's enveloping the earth through sin. And Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II recognized that in 1982, or I should say, once again, brought it to the fore. And Pope Francis has been doing this, uh, especially this year, but since the beginning of his pontificate, he has spoken so openly and definitively about the activity of the devil in the world today. People get all, you know, diverted by focusing on other things that people are trying to have you focus on. Oh, this pope, this pope, this pope. And they're not hearing to what he's listening to what he's saying regarding what is most important, that is the evil in the world that is just enveloping culture and society. Now, Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II continued during this consecration. The author of the Apocalypse wrote, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them. That's from Revelation 21. St. John Paul said this is the faith by which the church lives. This is the faith with which the people of God makes its journey. The dwelling of God is with men on earth even now. In that dwelling is the heart of the bride and mother, uh, and mother, Mary, a heart adorned with the jewel of her immaculate conception. The heart of the bride and mother, which was opened beneath the cross by the word of her son to a great new love for man and the world. The heart of the bride and mother, which is aware of all the sufferings of individuals and societies on earth. So think about this right now, my friends. You know, we're again, we're in the middle of this, this hopefully toward the end of this pandemic. You know, and on a beautiful day like today, I think people were more apt to accept the lockdown in March when the weather wasn't so nice than they are now, like yesterday and today. These beautiful days were being given. It's okay. I'm not going to be locked up in my house. And I'm not saying don't abide by the guidelines. Do what they're telling you to do. But don't fear. Have faith. And don't panic. Pray. And especially during this month, go to our Blessed Mother, who John Paul II said our mother is very much aware of all the sufferings of individuals and societies on earth. John Paul said the people of God is a pilgrim along the ways of this world in an eschatological direction. That's toward the end times. It is making his pilgrimage toward the eternal Jerusalem, towards the dwelling of God with men. God will there wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. 
we're headed in that direction. That's the direction we're going in. Later on in the program, we're going to go to the catechism to teach from the catechism as the catechism teaches us about the resurrected uh, Christ and the glorified state of the body uh, that we're all going to to eventually uh, attain, God willing. Well, we'll all have you know we'll all have that opportunity at the end, the last day. Holy Father said, but at present, the former things are still in existence. They it, they it is that constitute the temporal setting of our pilgrimage. For that reason, we look for, towards him who sits upon the throne and says, Behold, I make all things new. And together with the evangelist and apostle, we try to see with the eyes of faith the new heaven and the new earth. Isn't that what we're praying for now? You know, are we praying for a new earth to get rid of this virus, to get rid of this disease, to get rid of the hatred and and the and the uh, the sin that that just pervades every aspect of of life on this planet? We need that new heaven. We need this new earth. Holy Father Saint John Paul said, "For the first heaven and first earth have passed away." But the first heaven and the first earth still exist about us and within us. We cannot ignore it. But this enables us to recognize with an immense grace what was granted to us human beings when, in the midst of our pilgrimage, there shone forth on the horizon of faith of our times this great portent, a woman. Yes, truly, we can repeat, O daughter, you are blessed by the Most High God above all women on earth. Walking in the straight path before our God, You have avenged our ruin. Truly, indeed, you are blessed. Yes, here and throughout the church, in the heart of every individual, and in the world as a whole, may you be blessed, O Mary, our sweet mother. And that's from our Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II. And the whole consecration, I didn't, obviously, that was was just the last uh, three or four paragraphs. But the entire consecration is a, is a, a lengthy, and you probably can find it. I, I forget how I found it here, but just by Googling it, um, the Holy Father, St. John Paul II, who consecrated the entire world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary uh, on that May 13th, 1982. And then again, there were the, the, you know, the, the conspiracy theorists, those conspiracy theorists who said, well, the real third secret of Fatima was never released. That's silly. St. Pope John Paul II and Lucia herself said, yeah, this is it. This is the secret. And Holy Father, when he consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart on this May 13th, 1982, people said, well, he really didn't fulfill Our Lady's request to Fatima consecrating Russia to her Immaculate Heart. And Lucia said, "Uh, yeah, this is what Our Lady wanted. (laughs) So she again confirmed that John Paul II did what Our Lady requested. And you know, it wasn't shortly after that, when you think about it, this is 1982, that in 1989, the Berlin Wall came crashing down, the Soviet Union was was fractured, and uh, no more. So, you know, you have to look at the way events uh, transpired and what it led to. 
And I saw an image today of uh, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, kneeling before a, an image of the uh, Blessed Mother. And today, as I said, May 14th, he's calling the world to prayer, fasting, and, and acts of charity and penance um, to offer it up for an end to the pandemic. Now, we're seeing around the world so many countries opening up. I think um, Italy uh, will begin public masses uh, in a couple of days. Um, states in our own uh, United States are opening up. Um, we're, and actually even uh, churches opening up. Of course, not here as far as public masses go. Uh, when that's going to happen, I don't think anybody has a, a specific date yet. Um, but if you're opening up all these other places, why not the church? That should be, that should be the first place we open up. To go back to God, put things in perspective. My goodness, you know what are where 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 is the focus? What are people, uh, you know, put it? Where are their priorities? It's a, it's a very very disconcerting time because people aren't really sure. You know, people really aren't sure what the truth is anymore. I think, you know, you can go back if you if you Google online. Uh, even about wearing masks. I, I found an article from uh, mid-March, maybe the second week in March, where the CDC, the Center for D Disease Control, said wearing masks is worthless and pointless. Don't do it. And they gave multiple reasons why it was pointless to wear masks. And here, now, everybody's wearing a mask because they told us to. Even people alone in their cars, driving, wearing a mask. Why? Well, you're in your car by yourself. Your windows are closed. Why are you wearing a mask in there? Because they told you. I'm not saying don't pay attention. I'm just saying you have to really discern the guidelines. I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't, the whole thing is beginning to make very, very little sense to me and very confusing. So, all right, let's do this. We'll take a break. Uh, we come back. We'll go to the catechism. But again, that was the, uh, well, I guess the last maybe four or five paragraphs from the consecration by St. Pope John Paul II, 1982, consecrating the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So stay where you are, my friends. There's more to come on Come to Me. Paul II stated that, for the disciple of Christ, evangelization is a duty, an obligation of love. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that evangelization is necessary for salvation. So we know we're called, but how do we do it? St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. To learn more, contact us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com.
Hi, I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope, on these domestic church media stations. Sixty seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. It must be understood at the beginning that the Eucharist may be considered either from the point of view of a sacrament or from the point of view of a sacrifice. In order to understand this distinction, because it is rather a technical one, we go back to the analogy of nature. Every day of your life, you partake of certain food, the products of wheat, vegetables, fish, meat. They all enter into the sustenance of your life. They nourish you, they feed you. But have you ever thought of this other side? Before they can ever nourish you, they must be submitted to some kind of sacrifice. Before they can be the sacrament of your physical life, they must die or be sacrificed. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Want a work of virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is, 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, go Go to GoodShop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit GoodShop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your Internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's GoodShop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. GoodShop.com. From East Brunswick to East Windsor. Newtown to Neptune. Furlong to Forked River. From Colts Neck to Columbia. New Hope to New Egypt. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. All righty. Welcome back. And we're going to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church in just a moment. Uh, and you know, um, well, let me first make a, I'm not going to make a pitch. I got to make a pitch before we move on here, but a couple of interesting things just came over, uh, to me as I, we had our break there. Uh, again, I want to thank all of you, my friends who are supporting us here at Domestic Church Media. No, we can't do any of this without you. We count on you. Uh, without you, we can't be here. So thank you to all of you who are so generously supporting our work. I'm going to, again, ask and encourage you, if you have not yet had the chance to help us out financially, if you would please consider doing so. 
We're heading now into June, July, and August. These are traditionally the worst months for us every year. Uh, we didn't have our Radiothon yet this year. We postponed it until probably the fall. Uh, so those funds that we count on uh, for spring and summer aren't there. So please, uh, pray about it, and in whatever way you can, support the work here. We need an apostolate like this that can keep you connected to the church, kind of a lifeline, right? Um, so uh, you can either go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and make an online donation with your debit or credit card just by clicking the Donate Now button and make whatever you know amount you can. If you can make it a, a monthly donation, that's a big help to us because... Uh, we can count on that uh, regular um, support. But it's domesticchurchmedia.org. Click on the Donate Now, and you can make whatever amount you want to make. It's up to you using your debit or credit card. If you prefer to send a check, you can write to us here. Uh, send your check. Make it payable to Domestic Church Media, Domestic Church Media, and you can mail it to P.O. Box seven. 7- Five zero nine. <clears throat> That's P.O. Box 7509. That's Trenton 08628. P.O. Box 7509, Trenton 08628. And you make the check out to Domestic Church Media. Whatever way you can do it, my friends, I ask you, please, pray about it. Help us out. You know, today's a day that Holy Father has asked us to pray, uh, fast, alms give, works of charity, fast uh, for the pandemic uh, situation. And, um, you know, giving alms is a great act of uh, sacrifice, and we certainly would welcome the opportunity to be the recipient of your alms giving. Um, because we're here. We're here 24-7. They, they, they haven't closed our doors. They can't keep us apart, right? Uh, we're right here together. Nothing's going to separate us. We're here united in faith. So many of us from around the world together right now. So it's a great uh, reality of technology that we can do this, but we can't do it without you and your support. So please help us out. Again, Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509 Trenton. And also, uh, you can go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and make an online donation with your debit or credit card. Now, I didn't know this, um, but today, uh, May 14th, we know is the Feast of uh, St. Matthias, but it's also the feast day of St. Corona, who, over the past couple of months, um, nobody really knew much about St. Corona, but St. Corona apparently is the patron of pandemics. Um, and today is her feast day, May 14th. So maybe that's why the Holy Father asked us today specifically to pray. I'm not sure. He didn't specify that in, in anything I read, but uh, maybe that's why. But anyway, you can also invoke today St. Corona, the patroness of uh, pandemics. Today, May 14th, is her feast day. Now, I also mentioned to you earlier how, you know, the, the world is going crazy. Uh, we've been talking about that. Um, this just came in. Um, Bishop O'Connell shared this message. Uh, today, the Bishop of New Jersey learned that the House Democrats released the HEROES Act. That's uh, H.R. 6800 the fourth phase of economic stimulus 
relief of CARES for. It says H.R. 6800 includes several provisions that would protect and even expand funding for programs that Congress established in the last CARES Act, such as the extension of unemployment benefits until January 31st, expansion of the small business payroll protection uh, program loans um, to include nonprofits, uh, regardless of size, increased funding for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. It says, however, unlike the previous CARES Act, H.R. 68 would prohibit non-public schools, including our Catholic schools in the Diocese of Trenton and all of our dioceses here, from accessing any portion of the proposed $200 billion included in the legislation for education. So here... They're excluding Catholic schools from CARES funding. It's only going to go to public schools. Um, Non-public schools are excluded. Money is prohibited uh, going to non-public schools, including our, our the Catholic schools. So once again, we see and we know that the struggle, the school uh, struggles the schools have here just to stay open, the pandemic uh, certainly impacting negatively uh, the dio- all of our diocese here and all of our schools. So we got to pray um, for that uh, here too. You know the, the Catholic schools, which I think I heard Father Jason say earlier today, ten percent of all students in the state of New Jersey attend Catholic schools. That's a l- large number of kids. Ten percent of the student population in New Jersey attending Catholic schools. Um, so. Again, just more prayer needed. And uh, so there's $200 billion included in this uh, bill in the legislation for education. $200 billion, and none of it can go to Catholic schools. So, and this is your tax dollar and my tax dollar. Okay. Um, and the saga continues. Hmm? So let's go to the catechism. And you know, this is really, <laughs> this, is, this is, this topic in the catechism, uh, Christ's resurrection and our resurrection. Talking about our last days here on the planet. <laughs> With all that's going on down here, you know. We certainly don't want to wish <laughs> death upon ourselves, but we can certainly pray as we should be praying. Come, Lord, take us home. Um, Christ is raised with his own, but this is paragraph 999 in our catechism. Christ is raised with his own body. He says to his apostles, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Uh, but he did not return to an earthly life, so in him all of them will rise again with their own bodies, which they now bear but Christ will change our lowly body to be like his glorious body into a spiritual body. This is such great, great uh, anticipation for that day, right? We, we have that, we have our bodies, the bodies we have now, we have, but Christ will change this lowly body, as the catechism says, to be like his glorious body, a spiritual body. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? 
You foolish man, you, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body which is to be, but a bare kernel. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. The dead will be raised imperishable. For this perishable nature must put on the imperishable, and the mortal nature must put on immortality. And paragraph 1000 says this how exceeds our imagination and understanding. It is accessible only to faith. Yet your, uh, our participation in the Eucharist already gives us a foretaste of Christ's transfiguration of our bodies. I think this is why people are so terribly missing the Eucharist. Of all the things, I think, that we as Catholics miss, miss most, it's that reception of Holy Communion where we can be so fully united with Christ. And the quote in the Catechism, just as bread that comes from the earth after God's blessing has been invoked upon it is no longer ordinary bread, but Eucharist formed of two things, the one earthly and the other heavenly, so too our bodies which partake in the Eucharist are no longer corruptible but possess hope of resurrection. And the question then, the, the, the uh, Catechism asks is when? And answering its own question, definitively at the last day, at the end of the world. Indeed, the resurrection of the dead is closely associated with Christ's parousia. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangel's call and the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will be raised first. Imagine that on that last day when all the graves are opened. Graves that have been there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. The bodies that were placed in those graves turned to dust. But on that great and glorious last day, the dead will be raised. Christ will raise up those lowly bodies and give them a body like his own, a glorious body, make them to be like his own. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will be raised first. Now, if we're alive when this happens, by the way, we don't really die. So we're around, we're around for the last day, we're not, we're not dead yet. We don't really die, but we will be raised in a sense. Christ will raise up on the last day, but also it is true that in a certain way we have already risen with Christ, for by virtue of the Holy Spirit, Christian life is already now on earth a participation in the death and resurrection of Christ. And you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, and the working of God who raised him from the dead. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And all of this that we live here in this life should be leading us in that direction. We're so imperfect in so many ways. We, we, we're so, we can be so sinful at times. 
because of our fallen nature, because of the sin of our first parents and our concupiscence. The struggle is real, as they say. You know, you you, you know that we're go, you know we go through this life kind of trudging through. Sometimes, sometimes we're in our spirituality where we seem light as a feather, right? We're just kind of floating along. We're maybe five feet above the ground, just kind of uh, uh, passing. You know, in that in that great spiritual level that that. We all strive for a teeny tiny taste of heaven, not certainly nowhere near what, what awaits us, but uh, well on our way. But there are other times we find ourselves being pulled down and stuck in the muck and the mire. But it's all flowing in the same direction. You know, we're, the spiritual journey that we're on in this life all, is all flowing in the same direction and all, all uh, coming down that one uh, point where we depart from this life, depart from this world, depart even from this body, and move on to the next life that is eternal. You know, you hear so many stories of people at the moment of their death. You, you could probably could find a lot of books and, and articles and things about not I'm not talking about near death experiences. I'm talking about people at their at their deathbed or how they died. You know, we have have had experiences, you know, I have shared with you about uh, uh, my father. We weren't there with him, but um the um nurses tell us at the nursing home there that he died I guess around five o'clock in the morning, early early morning. But all night long, and he was suffering from dementia at the end, but all night long, he, they said he just kept calling out Lydia, Lydia, which is my mother's name, until he finally passed. But he never, I, I, I can't even remember ever in, in my many years when they were alive, ever hearing my father call my mother Lydia. He always called her Lyd. Never, I never heard him call her Lydia, even in anger. Just always called her Lyd. But the night that he died, he was calling out, and the nurse said just, it was just constant, Lydia, Lydia, as if she had come to get him. And I'm sure many of you have stories like that, too, where you, you, you hear about or experienced uh, the death of a loved one present there, and again, I'm not talking about near-death experience. I think when the, when the soul actually departs and goes for good to God, doesn't come back, <laughs> doesn't return, but goes for good. That this is a reality of life, that it's going to happen to all of us, that we're all, uh, you know, on the same path. But as the Catechism says, <clears throat> as you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of, of God. So our life is always working toward that end. And paragraph 1003 says, United with Christ by baptism, believers already truly participate in the heavenly life of the risen Christ. But this life remains hidden with Christ in God. The Father has already raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Nourished with his body in the Eucharist, 
we already belong to the body of Christ, which when we rise on the last day, we also will appear with him in glory. So when you think about the reception of Holy Communion, you know, you hear some of the spots we run here with Bishop Sheen. He talks about the picture, uh, a wheel with spokes leading toward the hub of the wheel. The, the Eucharist is the hub, and all sacraments, all the sacraments draw to, uh, to it and from it. Our reception of Holy Communion here at Holy Mass is as close as we get in this life to actually touching heaven because Jesus Christ really, truly, substantially present in the Eucharist, it really is Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you can't separate the persons of the Trinity. So we literally, in reception of Holy Communion, whether it be on the tongue or in in our hand reverently and received that way, we are literally touching the divine, touching heaven. The veil is there. We, We can't see it. But by faith, we believe it. And we long for that so much so, especially these days of quarantine and lockdown, where we are not able to receive the Eucharist. The longing for the sacrament, of all the other things that we long for in this very odd time, as Catholics, I think the one thing you hear the most of is, I wish I could receive communion. Because that's the pull. That's the pull of our, toward our destiny, toward our, our, our eventual home. It's our connection between heaven and earth. It's, it's the reality of the presence of the living God in our midst, real True, truly, pre, really, and truly present here in this world. At the same time, really and truly present, reigning in heaven. The same Jesus Christ here with us, reigning in heaven. And again, because of the veil of our exile in this life, we don't see it quite the way we should. We don't see it at all as we should see it. But it is just as real and just as present. Jesus in his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And one day when we pass from this life, when the, our, our mortal soul is separated from our body and our body becomes lifeless and uh, is, is buried and turns to dust and our soul lives on with God, that one day on that last day that Almighty God will raise that body, recreate that body from the dust, reunite it with our soul, and we will then live in glory and reign with Christ in glory. It's not a, it's not a theory. It's, it's, not, it's not a, a, a just a possibility. It's a reality. It's going to happen. And that's why we do all that we do here in this life to, to build up our holiness, to, to work on our personal sanctification, because we want to get when that moment comes, we want to be ready for it. We don't know when that moment will come. We don't know when we will pass from this life into the next. 
It could happen in, the, in an instant blink of an eye. As I mentioned, my, my dad kind of gradually passed on. Uh, you know, the, the experience, I only share with you the experiences we had in our family. You all have them as well. My mom went in an instant, got up to, uh, had just come home from the hospital the day before and, and had, had gone, to, she and my dad, late afternoon were watching the news or something. She got up to uh, go to the restroom and that was it. She was gone. You just never know. But in our living in this life, especially as we, we grow older, we get closer, as Father Groschet used to say, to the exit ramp, we want to be ready for that. And then to know that on that, and that, you know, that even though we may be separated from our bodies, it's just temporary. We're going to be reunited with our bodies in a glorified state to be created as a spiritual body. The, and and the, the, we have a little, little hint of what that's going to be like with Christ himself after his own resurrection appearing to the apostles, our Blessed Mother, after her assumption appearing to with those apparitions that have been approved. Uh, we celebrated one yesterday, the, the apparition at Fatima, where our Blessed Mother appeared to the children and she's appeared to Lourdes and other approved sites. In a glorified state, it's, it's you're outside of time and space. You, 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 the body can do what the body can't do, limited as we are here. All these wonderful things that await us, that if we stay true to our faith and follow Christ and do the best we can to live as he taught us to live, we're going to spend an eternity in that great and enormous joy that is beyond all understanding in this life. Okay, I got to go. Tomorrow, join Cheryl with me. Hey, Father Wade Menezes is going to join us tomorrow uh, as one of our guests. So uh, tune in at 4 o'clock. Cheryl will be here. We're going to play uh, Name That Catholic Tune, talk music, all kinds of stuff. So please do come back then. Uh, stay tuned now for Cresta in the afternoon. Also, my brothers and sisters, get out and enjoy the rest of this beautiful day. It's a glorious day. Thank you, Lord, for the glory of this day. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you.